Welcome to episode 121 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we're kicking off a whole new show this week. It's hard to even call it a show. (laughs) It really is. It doesn't know what it wants to be. We don't know what it wants to be. It's... uh, But it is what it is. Look, it is... We were talking about the Zeta Project. We're talking about Zeta Project. It is still canonically part of the DCAU. Uh, It is the cousin Oliver of the DCAU. No one really talks about it very much. Uh, It is also not really available anywhere. Like, I bought it on iTunes. That's how I was watching it. And I found it. You found (laughs) it. But it's not on DC Universe. Um, It's, like, not on any sort of streaming place anywhere. You you can buy DVDs and stuff. Um, So we're going to try and... Find ways to still make this entertaining for you guys, even though you probably won't be watching this show. Oh, we will we will vividly describe this pile of trash. We we will spare you, but you know what? As, as best we can. We will also try and find positive things you can. To, to talk about. I, I'm going to try and go into this with some sense of optimism. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to be those people that just shit all over something. Uh, but I think there's some good potential here, and I think a lot of people worked very hard on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So we'll all try and be kind of nice. Uh, also, get to apologize if the auto quality is a little bit weird this week because I came over to Cameron's place, but I forgot to bring the microphone stand. That's fine. So we're both holding the mics, uh, casually leaning on the table here. Just so. like Zeta Project, Just we're like half-assing <laughs> this as much as we can. We're really half-assing it. And to make matters worse, uh, I was at Pride all weekend. You and were. I am. And you had a great uh, Beyond costume. I did. I did. Uh, did, I you, went, did you share the photo of uh, the other ones you saw? Was that a part uh, of your group? Yeah, I, I will add those up there. I went okay. with a group. They were they had a uh, super heroin theme going on, mm-hmm. but I only became aware of it at kind of the last one minute. I was going to try and do Batwoman, um, but I already had that Batman Beyond tank top, and I realized that one, the emblem was a little bit too different, and two, it literally said the word Beyond on it, so mm-hmm. I, I had to kind of uh, improvise. But but the ones you sent me, uh, it was an amazing Bumblebee and amazing Tara. Yes. Tara, who obviously holds a very special place in my it heart. It does. And I specifically said, I need to get a photo of you guys and send it to my friend Cameron. Yes. He loves Tara. Uh, so much. Yeah. Uh, our friend CJ and his friends, they went as the Powerpuff Girls. Amazing. I'll, I'll put photos up. Wait, There's... not the Rowdy Rough Boys? What? The no. Rowdy Rough Boys. Okay. I don't. I don't even want to know. The Rowdy Rough Boys were a villain. Were a were a, the male counterpart created by Mojo Jojo in a prison toilet. Mojo Jojo. Yes. Okay. Because you know, you know, the saying is it's, it's sugar, sugar spice, and spice and everything nice plus makes, chemical X. Well, yeah. I mean, girls are sugar spice and everything nice, and yeah. guys are, um, oh, something something and dog tails. I don't. I don't what's I don't, the ingredients? I don't remember. I'll let you look that up. Figure it out. Um, but no, that we had a whole group going with some pretty fantastic costumes. But uh, I am still, to be perfectly honest, a little bit hungover even Monday evening when recording this, and my throat is super dry. So That's fine. It's going. Uh, this is probably be a lot of hacking on my part throughout the episode. Uh, it's going to be great. We're gonna we're gonna go with it. Um, but let's start things off with a little bit of news here. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot. Um, we did get a possible director for the Black Adam movie that no one's asking for, except for Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So, yeah. And so it's uh, the guy who is just finished directing, or I guess technically is still directing because it's in post, but Jungle Cruise with the aforementioned Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So the, the director is Jean Colette Serra, who I don't, I looked up the rest of his stuff. I don't know if I've seen anything else. But I mean, look, they're, they're going to make it. Um, oh, okay. Hang snips on. Snips and stales and puppy dog tails. There That's we what go. It is. Yes. Well, snips, 
Snips and snails. But what are snips? He cuts people's hair off. Oh, so just bits of random prison people hair? Yeah. And some snails? Yeah. And they have es- They. I think the joke is they have escargot in prison. That's a pretty damn good joke, actually. Do yeah. I want to know where he gets the puppy dog tails? I don't remember. I, I don't remember that part. I'm sure whatever it was, it was horrifying. Yes, but he created the Rowdy Rough Boys. It's, uh, what is it, Butch... Um, Come on, names. Uh, Butch, Boomer, and Brick. Brick, those are pretty fantastic. Uh, yeah. No, they they were all going as female heroes. Okay, so it's more it's a more fun way to do it. Yeah, I'll, like I said, I'll post the photos. CJ, I mean, Rowdy Rough Boys are for straight pride. This is, for, exactly, for, it's yeah. for the the straight pride that happened in Boston, not mm-hmm. the the super gay oh, pride. Was it, did, it, did it already happen? Uh, I thought it was I in thought, like October. Oh, I thought it was supposed to be happening the same. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes I forget that Pride isn't the same weekend everywhere, mm-hmm. which makes more Did sense. Did you see the flag? No. It's it's uh, the rainbow flag, but they took all the color out, so it's just a grayscale. That's so dumb. It's so bad. That's just not, it even, it's not even good so, design. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Cameron knows a thing or two about this. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he's going, obviously. Yeah, I you, got my You tickets. booked your tickets. You're heading mm-hmm. out there to Straight Pride. I need to just prove to someone. <laughs> someone has to believe someone me. Someone please believe me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. You're not straight enough to walk in our Straight Pride. <laughs> uh, but no, so I just looked up the, the directing credits for this guy. Uh, I'm going to be honest. They're not great. Great. Uh, it's basically... But hey, neither were D&D. <laughs> That's that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, he basically did all the Liam Neeson action movies, but not the good ones. So he did nonstop, run all night, and The Commuter. Okay. Uh, he also did The Shallows, which is the Blake Lively shark movie, which was supposed to actually be pretty good. Oh, yeah. People enjoyed that one. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't Way know. Way more than this, this. Have you seen the trailer for whatever this crocodile bullshit? Crawl? God. Well, yes, I've seen the it trailer for so, it. It's in front of every movie I've seen in yeah. the past two weeks. Well, the part of the problem, too, is that I mostly go to AMCs now because I have A-List, mm-hmm. and there is literally 25 minutes of previews. Uh, yeah, we timed it last time. Yeah, and I check my watch now, and it's always 25 minutes of previews, and this last month, which I've been going to see a lot of stuff because we're peak season right now, mm-hmm. every time they play the trailer for yeah. Crawl. Yeah, because I, I, do, I, go, I, do, uh, I go to the Grove, which yeah. is its own uh, chain called Pacific Theaters. And with its own the, special hell. The worst intro animation ever. I know. Uh, <laughs> you've, you've talked about oh, oh, it's so bad. <laughs> uh, but I timed theirs, and theirs is only 12 minutes. Yeah, I think other places are much more reasonable. We're off to go see uh, Late Night this evening, and that's going to have hopefully a... You can tell we have no news. We have no we're news. really padding no, this out. No news. We're really padding this out. So that, that's happening with Black Adam. Who cares? Uh, I did see... A comment from the creators of the 90s X-Men show that they haven't met with Disney, but they said they want to go to Disney and pitch a reboot of the 90s show. To which I ask you, do you actually want that? I mean, I'd be fine with a, with an animated X-Men show again. But it's specifically continuing the story of the 90s cartoon, and they would like keep the animation style. I mean, oh. I, I don't know who they No, can... they would update the animation style. They said they want to keep it... I mean, they would probably... I mean, Disney would force money. their hand. Yeah, they'd yeah. spend more money on it, but like... Have you watched that show anytime recently? No. I've I, heard the quality does not hold up, but that and Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. I sat down to start watching it. I think right around the time we started doing this podcast, actually. I was like, hey, let's go check out the X-Men and see if it holds up. It does not. Okay. The Just the storytelling isn't particularly good. The animation's pretty crappy. Like, in the same way that Batman, the animated series, like, absolutely really holds up and is, like, the paragon of really good animation... Um, this is the 
the opposite antithesis of that. And okay. I think, and I know you'll agree with me on this, up to date, the best adapted X-Men property is X-Men Evolution. Oh, 100% agree. Better than 100% the movies. 100% agree. Better than the movies. Yes. Better than the, the 90s show, which everyone loves. The theme song is not quite as good. I'll give them that. I mean, it's it's the early 2000s. Yeah. No one knows what a theme song is anymore. That's true. And like the fashion's not great, but then again, neither is again, the fashion from the 90s. it's early 2000s. <laughs> no one knows what's going on anymore. Take, which take we what have you a will lot from to that. talk about with, with this episode specifically. Yes, we, we do. Uh, uh so that I just I don't see a need to do that show again. I think it's kind of done. I would love to see another X Men show. I never watched a lot of Wolverine and the X Men, but it didn't last very long. I don't think it was great. Uh, I remember it being pretty. I, I also never watched it, but I remember fans really enjoying it. Okay, maybe I should watch that one. Have you ever seen from the eighties? It was a one off. I think it was like the idea was it would be a pilot for an X Men show, and they never did anything. But it's called Pride of the X Men. Uh. No, I've never heard of this. So one. it's the X Men already exists. They're a team. The brother already exists, and it's basically the introduction of Kitty Pride. <gasps> like she shows up at uh, the X Mansion. She's like getting used to everybody, and there's some really good stuff in there. Uh, but one of the weirdest choices, for some reason, Wolverine's Australian. Sure, just randomly Australian. I mean, in it. it's just the Southern Canada. Yeah, <laughs> as everyone calls it, Canada South. Yes. Uh, but it does have Dazzler in it, which <gasps> you do love her. I love her oh, too. Oh boy! And she's I actually a prominent, Dazzler. a very prominent role in that Good. one. Good, uh, as she should. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's got some stuff there. But the only other bit of news I think worth mentioning is we should probably talk about the Swamp Thing cancellation. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Oh boy. I, you've watched the show. You started nope. watching it? Okay. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it either. I don't really intend to because one, horror is not my genre really. Two, knowing that the show got stopped three episodes early, I'm assuming the endings can be really rushed and abrupt and I just don't want to be there for it. So I'm not invested. And again, we know it's canceled. So really why jump into it? Why get invested? Right. Um, so I'm not going to watch it. But I think the circumstances around the cancellation are really fascinating. So if you if you looked up what was going on with that? I did a little bit of research on it. But no, I'm I had I had my own kind of internal knowledge. I don't know how connected okay. that was. Uh, but no, what did, what did you know? What did you so see? What I had heard was that basically there was a snafu on the part of the North Carolina Film Commission. The show was filmed in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That basically resulted in the show getting about half the tax refund back that they were expecting, which in doing so like essentially double the cost of the show. Like gotcha. I, I had heard they were ex- rumored to be getting somewhere around like 30 to 40 million back and it ended up being well below that. And so basically like they just couldn't afford to keep doing the show. That's why they stopped production. That's why they've already canceled it. Um, that was the rumor floating around Warner brothers won't officially address it. And then the film commission itself is actually has come back and basically said like, no, the production company knew exactly the contract they were signing. They knew exactly how much they were going to get back, which was, um, like, I guess they got, uh, 5 million in rebates for shooting the pilot and then an additional 12 million for a season. Um, and so basically what DC got was what they were supposed to get in terms of the rebate. But that is still kind of a weird reason. I can see why that would stop production potentially, Mm -hmm. Um, and they would be forced to kind of wrap things up a little bit earlier, which let's be honest, maybe not the worst thing. Yeah. Usually these shows stretch out a little yeah. too long. Even 
though I loved Doom Patrol. It felt a little bit long. Mm-hmm. But that, even if that's their, their reason for shutting down the shoot, it doesn't really explain why they cancel it and why they would announce the cancellation right before the show starts. It's basically just like, why would anyone bother watching it now? Yeah. So at least that's what I've heard. Like, what are your thoughts on the cancellation? Like, does it matter to you? Do you think this spells doom for everything, as so many people like to say? Um... No, I don't think, I mean, it, it can't spell any more doom than it already has caused. Cause <laughs> you, what else can you do besides cancellation? Well, what's happening is now people are, are spreading rumors on a whole bunch of chat forms, stuff like that on, I think on DC universe itself, that this is a sign that the platform is going to get shut down. And mm-hmm. DC has responded to that, like through their, whatever company manages the site and like, no, no, it's not getting shut down. Don't worry. We're also going to go through and like yeah. start removing. Our GoDaddy account is for a year it's, long. It's fine. We, yeah, we're locked in. <clears throat> yeah, and then they're, they're going to go through it. <clears throat> oh, it's already happening. You're fine. Yeah. Drink some uh, of that, that the, sweet, the, sweet water. They're going to go through and start deleting some of those posts that are like spreading those sort of rumors. But mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's the end of DC Universe. Yeah. And, and, and we had a brief conversation about this throughout the week. Um, I think DC will do another big push during Comic-Con this year. Uh, another another big Comic Con push this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know. It's a, we're we're operating without pop filters or stands, so we're we're improvising here. <laughs> um, God damn it! You're fine. Don't worry about it. You can edit these out. I know. You, you but I, I should I should leave them in here just so people can understand the suffering, the suffering the that I'm, I'm going through. Uh, yeah. So I think they're, we're going to have a big push for Comic Con this year. Or they're going to have a big push. Yeah. Uh, try and get as many new viewers as they can. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to have another amazing, not amazing, another big uh, announcement of, of next year's lineup. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, Stargirl has people really interested. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, Stargirl's on there. We saw the, the animated Harley series, yeah. which, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it could be entertaining. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, WB... Or Warner Brothers already has another streaming service in the works because it's yeah. them, um, Turner and HBO have all teamed up to to try and rival Disney Plus. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, I think what we'll see is that this will eventually get absorbed into the Warner streaming platform. Either absorbed or this will be in the same way people think Hulu will be the kind of foundation and they're just going to build around it. Mm, I think they could do. I mean, this it's a it's a it's a decently set up platform. It's got everything it you need. Actually, yeah, I've, I've been really happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you, you already have this infrastructure. Just take it and use just, it. Just use it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, <clears throat> it's going to save a lot of time and a lot of money from for uh, whatever Warner Brothers' streaming service is going to be. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I wanted to I wanted to stick around, and I want them to be making good content. Like from what I've heard, Swamp Thing is really good so yeah, far. It's, I've, like, yeah, I've really heard the first rated. Great. Um, yeah, it's just it's not really intriguing me enough. Do you think we're gonna get? Do you think this is gonna be the next uh, Firefly? No. Okay. I don't think anything will ever be Firefly again. Mm-hmm. Like that was just this total lightning in a bottle moment. But it also took you know years to to hit that that status of of yeah that that cult following yeah I, I think it's harder to do that sort of cult following now because media has gotten so niche mm-hmm. um and it's available in so many places now it, it's when firefly was on you really only just still had the major networks and so whatever they decided to do with it you were at their whim yeah whereas now you know netflix if firefly were on now and got canceled Netflix would just pick it up, do two seasons more, 
so they can get the new subscribers and then cancel it. That's true. Like they did with Lucifer. Mm-hmm. So do you think anyone would, would pick up Swamp Thing? I don't think so, mm-hmm. just given the fact that it ended up on DC Universe to begin with. Like, not, th- that's not implying <laughs> that's like the bottom of the barrel, but like, you know, you look it's at the bottom half of the barrel. Well, I mean, but it's it, this would be like the catch-all place. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, some of their content is you know premium in regards to like <laughs> Young <laughs> Justice, but like I mean, Young Justice couldn't land anywhere, so they ended up doing it here. So I think this has become the place where the really niche DC stuff has a home. Yeah, they're going to give it to Crackle. <laughs> That's the bottom. Wait, didn't of the Crackle die? <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure Crackle's I've now heard Crackle's dead. I heard t- Crackle died like three times. Then I walked through the airport once, and like the entire uh, like tunnel was just yeah. covered in Crackle ads. <laughs> and I'm like, this died two years ago. I'm pretty sure Crackle's dead. <laughs> okay. <at this> point. <laughs> um, what was what was the other one? Oh, it doesn't matter. Like, whatever show, like, Hidden America was on some network, like, comedy network, too, mm-hmm. and that's now What was the one that Joseph Gordon-Levitt was the host Pivot. of for a while? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, my former employer owned them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there was Pivot, and then there was the, uh, like, AT, you know, it was T-Mobile's, like, like, plus 99. Yeah, I don't know. They had one interesting show concept. What was it? Uh, it was, it was like a, uh, it was like a citywide game of tag where a person had to to stay they had um like private eyes and former detectives and police officers chasing down one guy mm-hmm. who had to he had you know like $200 and had to get somewhere okay a very far distance uh using whatever method he could with whatever money he has yeah mm-hmm. that sounds pretty fun yeah it was it was a cool concept i watched the it was like a 10 minute episode yeah uh and then i think the whole franchise died after. <laughs> I, I can't see it being something to be fun to watch like once. I can't see it being something like, mm-hmm. oh, what's going to be different this week? And yeah. It's like, well, it's the same shit again. Because yeah. that's um, what's his face? Tim Tebow has has a show now. You've uh, already lost me at Tim Tebow. Yeah, I, just, I know. I, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, Tim Tebow, the <laughs> master of ceremonies, the straight pride parade. Yes. Is he really? <laughs> no, he's not. But I can very okay. much see him being that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they actually film it here. I'm amazed we haven't seen it because they, they film it. They close down most of Hollywood for it, uh, but they film it at like midnight to 4 a.m. I'm asleep. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, it's a city, not a city, a, you know, a couple block wide obstacle course. We have a normal civilian going up against, um, you know, former military, high level military oh, okay. people who, you know, practice, op- you know, make obstacle courses. And yeah. Practice obstacle courses. Oh, I think I saw an ad for this somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Million Dollar Mile. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Again, it, like, like you said, it's a cool, it's a cool concept. Yeah. Uh, but they're smart and only put an episode out like once a month. Yeah. Because that's like, oh, yeah, this show. Oh, that, I forgot about that thing. Yeah, That'd be fun I'll, I'll to watch, watch it for that 20 again. Minutes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Why not? That sounds like a nice distraction. Yeah, exactly. They, they figured that, that much out. <laughs> well, speaking of things that have potential. But have yet to be figured have out. Have yet to be figured out. And maybe a little bit of space in between them would be beneficial. Uh, let's get started talking about the Zeta project oh, here. Oh, boy. Um, and we're also going to do. Something in my notes. I wrote, oh, boy. Dot, oh, dot, boy. Dot. Uh, and then also at the end, we'll do a uh, like a, a slightly more lengthy review of Dark Phoenix. We both went and <laughs> saw it. It's not worth doing a whole episode on, but no, we'll, we'll dedicate most of bat plugs to that. So uh, stick around. Or as I think most of you do at this point, jump forward and just listen to that. Yes. Okay. But so Zeta. Zeta. The Accomplice. The episode accomplice. one. Episode one, The Accomplice. So 
to a little bit of background context, we met Zeta in an episode of Batman Beyond. He looked completely different. Looked completely different. I think the new design worked better. Yes. But also, this show is definitely animated on a much lower budget. Oh, my God, yes. Significantly so uh, than Batman Beyond. But his whole thing is that he is an infiltration robot. So he can basically project a hologram around himself and take the place of someone. And in his original programming, that person would be murdered first. And then he would take over. Mm -hmm. Uh, But apparently he came across a person he was supposed to kill and replace. And that person was innocent. And that made him decide that he never wanted to kill again because he's a robot with a heart of gold. Well, it it changed his his mental image of it because if one person is innocent, that means all of them could potentially be innocent. Right, yeah. Which again... Cool concept. It is a cool concept. It, it's the idea of a um, a binary mind being forced to acknowledge a non-binary situation. Yes. Um, which is cool. It's, it's, yeah, building a gray area. Yeah, and I he, as a character, I think is interesting. That is a really cool concept. I think the problem, of course, being this is a kid's show. And this, I think, of everything we've seen so far, is the most targeted at kids. Oh, my God. Um, they put like a PBS bullshit joke oh, at the end of their episodes. We'll get to that. Oh my god! We'll get to that, Chris. I know it's look. It's very. Si- I don't think I can do this for thirteen episodes. Look, it's very very silly. Again, we're gonna do our best to try and like stay positive of the whole thing. I think no matter what, I would have rather seen the version of this show where he was off doing those kind of missions, like. That Zeta or that um, that Batman Beyond episode is like fairly decent. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some elements that don't work great, but it's a cool concept, and it's an interesting idea to see the aftermath of it. You know, that might be an interesting idea for say like a movie. Like, I feel like you need a little bit of runtime to establish that lifestyle of him going around lifestyle as a robot, but like going and killing people, infiltrating them, and mm-hmm. then changing his programming and having to be on the run. Like, I can see that working as a movie, like an animated feature maybe, or even just like an actual full-on feature film could be a cool idea. I don't think there's enough legs for a whole TV show. I mean, I'd rather, I'd, I'd much rather watch this series because it's it's the same story from, what was his name? Uh, not Hard Act, but Robot Batman. Oh. From Heart of Steel. Yeah, Hard Act. Oh, that, okay. Was that, okay. Yeah, Hard Act was okay. the, the name. Yeah, well, so, uh, okay. So, uh, Hard Act was the name of the, huge artificial intelligence mm-hmm. from uh oh no from the episode it's called Hardack, right? Cuz his mm-hmm. silicon soul, soul is the Batman replica that's what I'm released. thinking of. Then. Yes. yes, sorry, that's what I'm thinking <clears> of. <throat> yes, who is a robot? He is a robot, but he thinks he's Batman. Like mm-hmm. we spend the first 5 minutes of that episode with him as Batman. Yeah. I think I'd much rather watch that series than this one. <laughs> but that's me being a little biased. I I am being very negative about this right now. More than I should be, and I apologize. No, it's fine. You, you are entitled to your opinion, and they're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's an interesting idea for a character. What they basically set up over the course of the show is he is trying to convince the the NSA, mm-hmm. and specifically this Agent Bennett, who is leading this team, that he has turned a corner and that he doesn't want to hurt people anymore. Yeah. And so they set it up where his means of doing that is he it basically gets this data file that explains all the people who are on his team that helps build and design him, and he's going to go like track them down one by one. So, I mean, I feel like every kid's show at this time was using that general formula. Like, this is the same general structure as Jackie Chan Adventures or 
like I think the mummy. Oh, had... don't you even dare well, compare the show to Jackie hang Chan on. Adventures. It's the same idea, right? In Jackie Chan Adventures, like the pilot episode establishes like basically what the arc is, the story is that season. They have to go and track down all these different talisman. Mm-hmm. We get a sense of who like the hero team is, the villain team is. We get meet all of the recurring characters. We set up the dynamics, so every episode we jump into, we know that's what it's going to be about. So for Zeta Project, it's going and trying to find all these people. Yes. Now, what I will say is a differentiating thing between this and Jackie Chan Adventures. Is the protagonist of this show is trying to be a fucking pacifist. Well, there's that. But I mean, Jackie, It's a children's cartoon. But I mean, Jackie Chan in his cartoon was also like kind of a pacifist. But there was still action. Well, there's still action. And what, the second episode of the show, Chris, had... Four, not, I don't want to say 40, 20 seconds of action. I know. In 20 minutes. Look, it's, it's not great. What makes something like Jackie Chan work, and I think the reason why people will still talk about that show now. Because it's great. Other than you and I, I think some people might be talking about it. Is that show had a lot of personality. And you really liked the characters, and the world was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had action. El Toro Fuerte. El Toro Fuerte, he's right? The strongest man. Yeah, he's the strongest. I know. Like, it had some really, really fun stuff in it. It felt distinct and unique. And I think this show's greatest sin is that it's just a little bit generic. And I think we're only aware of how generic it is because BTOS was so good. New Batman Adventures is so good. Some episodes of Superman and Batman Beyond were really good. Mm-hmm. But let, let's talk about this point for one more second. This is a children's cartoon, an action show, yeah. where the hero is doing his best to not fight. Yeah, it doesn't... Going out of his way to run from every situation uh, and not confront anything in his way. Look, it doesn't help the story. Yes. No, because you're right. Like it, it muddles the drama of the whole thing when he's going out of his way exactly to like be a pacifist. It, it, it's the motivations of character work actively against the necessary structure of the show, right? Because you get these, you get shows built around that idea of the hero kind of constantly going on a journey and like helping people along the way. Like that's was the structure for the Incredible Hulk, the show back in the day, the Bill Bixby version. Mm-hmm. Was that he was just he didn't really have a home to go to. So he would just go from town to town and he would basically come across something he had to go and help with, you know. And this time it's internet cafe to internet cafe. Yes, exactly. I mean this is <laughs> one of my favorite things about this is that it is from the year 2000. And it, it consists... I mean, with Batman Beyond, they knew they were in the future. Yeah. With this one, I feel like they forget a lot of the time that this is supposed to be the future. I And I think, too, with Batman Beyond, that was aimed at a broader audience in terms of age. And so I think you don't have to go for, if you will, the lowest common denominator on some of this sort of stuff, right? It's like mm-hmm. they could, I mean, you, there's a lot of really dated technology in Batman Beyond, but I think they were aware of the fact they had an older audience watching too, who would be a little bit more kind of judgmental by sort of things. And I think they were deliberately writing to have kind of longevity to it. The same way that BTOS, you know, it's like weird because they drive old fashioned cars, they have black and white TVs, it has this sort of sense of timelessness to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you're writing for kids. So you have to present kids with things they're familiar with. You know, like payphones. So pay <laughs> So payphones. Yeah. So I, I do want to. How do we a, make it futuristic? Uh, make it a video payphone. Make it a video phone. <laughs> Problem solved. I, that's one of the things I do want to do with this show because we recognize that not everyone is going to be watching this or has seen it or can watch it. We'll try and talk more about, I think, the world, which can be interesting, and maybe like what some of the future tech is, and does it hold up, and stuff like that. 
Um, but let's let's at least talk about the characters. Okay. So let's. Let, let's let's this episode, let's just set the template for everyone so they know what they get going forward. But we have four named characters in the show. Yes. So we've already kind of talked about Zeta. Mm-hmm. Good concept. I, again, good performance from Dietrich Bader. Great as voice good actor. As he can. Yeah. I, I mean, he's he is stuck to because he's a robot. And I, the show even is challenged in how they like hurt him. Because if you have a human protagonist, that person can get injured. They can be weakened, right? Like, humans, we can kind of push ourselves beyond our physical capabilities. We can't do that with robots. Yes, I know there's a fantastic episode of Teen Titans where Cyborg Thank has you. This. I was, was exactly that up I know, so I know now. It's how, only human. I know how to intercept these things now <laughs> and mention them before you get a chance to you go along. You see the glue in my eye I can, Yeah, I can see the, the cogs moving. So, but in this case, he is not part human. He's purely robotic. So even in the first episode, he gets shot. And he's able to keep going, but they have to portray him as being like injured. And you can't really injure a robot. You can limit its capacity in some cases, but just like shooting it in the quote unquote gut won't do that. Like it would have made more sense if, say, you know, all of a sudden some of his limbs aren't operating properly. Like it's if it severed a connection point or something like that, then you would understand why he'd be weak. But the idea of like, oh, I'm injured now, I need help, doesn't really work when it's a robot. And I think that's hard to perform because you have to be robotic, you have to give it humanity, but also you're being forced to kind of have impossible performance I mean, what, what they could do in a sense of that is if they shot his, like, battery supply yeah. or his, his, you know, his power source. Exactly. And then he has to, instead of being injured, he has to kind of lower his output right. uh, to, to make sure he can get out of the situation. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think that would make it work better and... You know, the great thing about how they structure this is they pair him with this other character, Ro, who I actually like Ro, um, mostly because within one of her first few scenes, she just kind of calls out all the bullshit on it. It's like, wait a minute. So you're a robot that's programmed to kill, and your solution to your problem is to call the people who know that and tell them that you're not going to kill anymore? Why would they ever believe you? Because that was my thought. Even the, like the very opening sequence is him in a bus station making a video phone call to the guy who's trying to capture him like where's the logic in that so i like that she pointed that out mm-hmm. and she would put out the same things like wait you're a robot how are you can you be weak he's like oh it damaged my power core or yeah. something like that but i mean Boom. but but even they play it again the show does have good ideas yeah because um bennett who is the agent the mm-hmm. head of the nsa um knows that he he kind of understands that that he is good mm-hmm. and he just doesn't want that he wants a weapon and so the, f- yeah. the the first episode is all about him attaching this device to reprogram him to his original design. Yeah. But later do we find out the device is absolutely bullshit, doesn't do anything. Zeta can just knock it off himself and run away. Yeah, again, it's... High stakes tension, folks. You want to know how to write? Watch Zeta Project. Like, it's, it's not written flawlessly. I was ready for like a great two-parter. Where, oh, uh, dear God. Where, no, okay. I mean, uh, where he gets hit with the reprogram- reprogramming device. Mm-hmm. He becomes a clean slate again. Yeah. And now Roe has to step up and be like, all right, y- you're not human, but I'm going to teach you how to be human. Yeah. And then the show, you know, for the, the next couple episodes is teaching him humanity. Okay. Him, yeah. him wanting to solve things with what he's programmed to do with violence or infiltration and mm-hmm. be like, no, 
here's how we can handle this. Here's what will get us not in trouble. Because she's been on the path of, she's been down, because I think there was a great parallel where when we first meet Roe, she is trying to get into a gang. Yeah. And her, her final task is to be lookout. Mm-hmm. So they can rob a, I guess what's the equivalent of a bank, but it's like a a place you go to to put more money on. Yeah, it's like a credit store. Cr- like a cards, basically. It's, yeah. it's weird. It's like it's everyone an ATM ha- store. Yeah, it's like everyone, yeah, basically, yes, exactly. It's an ATM store. You just put money on a card that you care. It's like gift cards, basically. Like, mm-hmm. how this works. By the way, uh, Star Wars Land, they have like a special card you can get, which is just like, it's an actual credits card. Of course it is. And I got one. Of course you did. <laughs> it's beautiful. Is anyone surprised that exists or that Cameron did that? I love it. It's so pretty. It's it's so unnecessarily heavy. <laughs> it doesn't fit in anyone's wallet. But how I big is it? Anyway. I mean, it's small. It, it fits in a wallet, but it's just such an uncomfortable size. Oh, okay. It shouldn't be in a wallet. Okay. But I got it. You need um, a holster for it. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but put on your bandolier. Yeah, and so so that's the intro of Row, and then there's an interesting parallel where that's the same task he ha- that that Zeta has for her. On their first mission, he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna infiltrate this area. Oh, I, didn't think I about need that. you to yeah. be lookout." Yeah. Um, and so then it's because that's why I think she says no so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I've been in this situation. I know what you're trying to do. Yeah. You're you're still stealing. You're just stealing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very good point, actually. Yeah. See, look at that. It has some sophistication in the writing. I guess. I don't but like I I think she's so sorry so sorry if if they wrote it that way where now he is incapacitated and she has to come in yeah. and save him and then you have the show about hey here's what you were trying to do you were this all powerful best of both worlds human robot um here's your task I'm going to help you accomplish that task mm-hmm. so you can be you can be that again you have a character at 100% who's now down to 20. Yeah. And you have a season <clears throat> trying to get them back to 100. See, I, I think that's one of the challenges going back to these shows that are written 20 years ago is that now we do think about things in terms of those little mini arcs, right? We're used to shows where the status quo is disrupted and they have to spend some time getting it back there. Mm-hmm. And that just wasn't, I think, a super popular way of approaching you know, episodic writing back in the day like this. Again, when you're... Yeah, because it's all about... It was all about um, that word where you play a rerun. Syndication. 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 Well, this thing yes. never got syndicated. <laughs> oh, never never oh, even got it. close. You need, to get a, you need to get 100 episodes. They're well, well, well short Do of that. Do you really? Yeah. 100 episodes is the minimum for syndication. Then is syndication different than, than just normal reruns then? Syndication is when a show is... Uh, basically leased, if you will, to be broadcast on another network, right? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, when a network runs their own reruns, which is also not really a thing anymore, mm-hmm. they I would... Think, I think they still do. I do mean, kid, kids' channels. Well, yeah, SpongeBob kid, is still 99% well, yeah, of Nickelodeon. Like, okay, on kids' channels. But like, I mean, it used to be they would do like reruns of Friends and stuff. I think now, at this point, they don't really do reruns of you know any primetime shows. That used to be a thing. Yeah. Now it's not. Now it's just like they have just... The shortest seasons, different content, whatever. Mm -hmm. But syndication specifically when a show is able to be bought essentially and then played on another network. Mm -hmm. So if you're watching like your local Fox affiliate, the two hours of lineup before the news is all reruns of other shows and they're all syndicated. Right. So it's it's the the sad days of G4 
when it was just reruns of Cops. Exactly. Yeah, they had syndicated Cops. Or yeah, Cops is a syndicated show, and G Four had done it. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, that's <clears throat> that's how we think about this stuff now, and that's just not how it was <clears throat> done back then. Yeah, where um, you have, I mean, it, it's not even just like a a serial, not serial. So you have serialized and episodic, episodic series. Go away. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it, it could have been a combination of both. Which is what we do see every now and then, because that's that's what's in Static. Yeah, but remember, Static is after this. I know, but not far after. But also, there's like, not like a ten year gap between but, this and Static. I mean, I think this was. And I think Static is catering to a very similar audience. I think it is, but I think this was made with less money. Less money, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be disparaging about it. Like this is not really a slight against the creators, but I think. The intent behind this was to make a really palatable kids show. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think they were as invested in the level of sophistication that they were with BTOS. Obviously, it was groundbreaking with New Bad Adventures, just holding up that standard. And then I think, you know, I think with Static, people were just so, so passionate about that show. And I think, you know, you need to have someone there who really wants to make it the best thing possible. And obviously, you know, so Robert Goodman is the writer on this. Like the, you know, credited creator. I'm sure he had every intention to make this thing as best he possibly oh, absolutely. can. But I think you need forces around you that are supporting that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when BTOS is being made, Bruce Tim and Eric Adomsky, they had that. Alan Burnett, like, they had the support around them. And absolutely. then they, they were proven. I, I think this was such its own weird spinoff thing. Um, and, and we're also just in the world of animation at this time. We're in that, that awkward transition period where the channel is more in control than the creators. Yeah. Because uh, in the 90s, it, you know, it, it was the Wild West of animation. If you wanted, you literally could do anything you wanted. Mm-hmm. That's how we got Ren and Stimpy. That's how we got Two Stupid Dogs. Yeah. Our show is literally called Two Stupid Dogs. <laughs> That's the name of a show. Uh, the Angry Beavers. The Angry Beavers. I Am Weasel. Yeah. Amazing shows. Like, really these shows weird are great. stuff. Yeah. But then kind of in the late 90s, you had these shows. And then um, I think I've told the story before. Um uh, not Butch Hartman, but uh, Craig, uh, Craig, oh, fuck, what's his name? The guy who created Hey Arnold. Okay, yeah. Um, he came out and said that he blames Powerpuff Girls for being the first show that gave the channel more creative control than mm, the creators. Okay. Uh, and that was kind of, that was kind of the turning point for the, 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 um, the stakeholders, stockholders, whatever the word is. Stakeholders? Yeah. In the show? And in the channel. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the broadcast. When they're like, oh, we run this. That's right. Yeah. We make the decisions. Yeah. And that, that was kind of, you know, everything when... The corporatization of it. Yeah. And then I, it, I think then eventually it's able to kind of swing back around and people realize, well, you can't just put out crap. People mm-hmm. actually want to be engaged with stuff. And, you know, you and I obviously love animated shows from this certain time because we were the age to really enjoy them, but mm-hmm. also old enough to appreciate that they actually were good. And obviously, there's great animation that's going on now that I'm just not watching. Like, everyone keeps talking about how great Steven Universe is. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess, She-Ra. I yeah, still She-Ra, it's, it's yeah, just on my list. Voltron. Yeah, Voltron, She-Ra. Um, oh, there's an, oh, like, even, I think, like, My Little Pony. Like, there's a new version of that, too, that's supposed to be really oh, yeah. good. And so, like, I think now... Friendship is magic, man. It is. Like, creatives have a, a greater chance now, I think, to really tell more niche specific stories. I think well, back it's, then it's also because there. the people watching the nineties are now the ones back in the chair. Yeah. They're the ones making this stuff now. Yeah. So I, I think this, it's just, they were just drawing on the easy ideas here. So, I mean, I think like Roe as a character is, you know, 
she works well. She kind of calls it the shit. She's still looking out for herself, but I think she's a good foil to Zeta, who has to be kind of by necess- like necessity a little bit dry. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about our our three recurring villains as they are? So the the NSA agents, yeah, so, Bennett, so Bennett, West, West and, and the girl's Lee. Name? Lee. Okay, I don't care. I think they're trying to set up West to be, you know, the comic relief. Yeah. But again, it's hard to have a, a comic relief villain of this caliber. And a, yeah, and inept. Yeah, because I'll, I'll make the comparison back to um, um, Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. where you had three comic relief villains. Yeah. And then you kind of had, and then every now and then they'd bring in the one muscle. You had Toru, oh. and then you had... Um, I can't remember the three guys. I don't remember the three guys, but it was the the redheaded guy who'd always say his attacks out loud first. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I well, don't. I, well, and I think that was that's a personality trait. Like mm-hmm. that's a quirk. That's something weird and different, interesting. I think you know West is just hapless and bumbling. Yeah. But but also in Jackie Chan, they started as competent villains. Yeah, and it's as Jackie kind of understood the world because Jackie's coming into this new world. Mm-hmm. These three already existed there, and so they had the advantage of of knowledge and power. And so Jackie, once he understood the game they were playing, then they became bumbling because he found, because he was on the same level as them at that yeah. point. He could actually keep up with them, basically. Yeah. And so so that's when you have, they're bumbling, but they're still, they still achieve the things they have to do. Yeah. And then the other comparison I'd make is Jalen Showdown, which I don't mm-hmm. think you ever watched. No, but I remember it. Okay. Uh, Jack Spicer is the same way. Mm-hmm. He is, he's a bumbling idiot, but he's still capable of, of doing great things yeah well and again it all really does boil down to to really like excellent writing it's mm-hmm. that's where the, like the characters really emerge is really excellent writing and i think here dr draken G- draken yeah exactly i mean the kim possible is one of the best rogue scholars we've talked about that at length yes <laughs> no need to revisit it now uh <laughs> but <laughs> you know i think with like wes he's just the comic relief yeah and you know with agent lee she gets one line where she establishes like oh well maybe zeta's telling the truth and then she's dismissed for it. it's like we have the idea that okay well bennett's the hard ass he's gonna stick the line wes is the bumbling foil and then lee's the one who like maybe has a heart and so we'll probably see at some point like maybe lee will like she's, she's like the montoya of the group yeah like she'll let them go or something like that and, and you know again you know worth acknowledging that really great performers here he's got kurtwood smith uh who most people would know as the dad from that 70s show he also played the villain in the original red? robocop movie yeah it's right oh yeah that's awesome yeah and he, he does a lot of uh, voice actor work too and then of course we have michael rosenbaum doing agent west and let's say that if there is one great thing now hang on let me finish yeah i'm ready if there's one great thing that came out of this show Treat this as Michael Rosenbaum's audition to play the Flash. Okay. Right? Because, like, he, you know, the Flash is... Even West d- looks like the... I mean, the West could be an offspring. It, that's true. Yeah, he's got the red hair. They look like they could be similar. His last name is West. It could be Wally's oh, kid. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, it could be... We, oh, my God. He is a... Dis- if, this some, is, if this is a fan theory out there, if this is headcanon, please someone tell us. Mm-hmm. Maddie. It's deep undercover. Is this a thing? Yeah, it's deep, deep undercover Wally West Jr. Yeah. Actually, that, I feel like maybe that was a fan theory they even covered at some point. I'll have to ask him. But... Yeah, I mean, he he is playing a similar role here. So this is his audition for being able to do that with the Flash and be much better. And then, All of right. course, Lauren Tom, who is amazing. So she plays Dana in Batman Beyond. Uh, she plays Amy in Futurama. <gasps> She's, again, an incredible voice actor, yeah. like one of the classics. And I think they're all trying to do their best here. Um, 
you know, they're, they're kind of limited with what they got. But so that's right. our, our cast of characters. So basically every episode is the three agents tracking down Zeta and Ro and, you know, them going to some new town looking for one of the designers to help clear Zeta's name. And then chaos ensues, shenanigan ensues. Like, I don't know if I have much else on this first episode necessarily. I have more on the second episode and then just talk about this world in general, which mm-hmm. we can do. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about the end cards? Let's talk about the end cards. Maddie, okay. Maddie, I'm talking directly to you. You want to bring this show back. You, you have been a very vocal person about bringing this show back. If you, <laughs> if this happens, you are personally responsible for these end cards. These, these PBS bullshit <laughs> jokes, stuff we got at the end of Arthur, stuff we got at the end of Cyberspace. It's, it's definitely weird because like the stuff we got at the end of Magic School Bus. Because the, the first one is. Like a light bulb, and I don't, yeah. I don't even remember the joke they made, but it's it, it's, it was um it's it's row it, it's always set up with row it's you see an object uh which is the current day object for for yeah. people around uh watching the show it's row asking hey Zeta what's this yeah and Zeta goes uh my database says this is a light bulb uh people used to people used to ask how many people it took to to, oh. to change it she goes oh that's interesting and then credits yeah. It's it's well it's so jarring because like you think the show ends and all of a sudden it's this because it's live action it's this live it's, it's a photo. action photo of a real world thing and it's like it's neither it's and it's the same music of of like Magic School Bus yeah what it's like a not it's not a piano yeah it's it's um you know at the end of every Magic School Bus episode when it was like when there's all the phones calling each other uh vaguely it's it's that song it's almost that song exact exact same thing yeah yeah it's. Because it's weird because it's like it's, it's, magic school, huh? it's not really like informative. It's not like a PSA. It's like not really a joke. It's like a lazy version of all three of those things. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like a joke you would find in like a really shitty kid's toy, like written on a slip of like fortune cookie paper. Yeah. And you're like, this is it's like they're like really they're not even bad dad jokes. They're like <laughs> like they're acknowledging that dad jokes were once made about this item, but we're not actually going to make yeah. one. It's it's. It's a Hallmark card that hasn't been killed once, but three times. But three, so, so many times. Yes. Um, okay, yeah. So it's it's definitely weird and jarring. And it doesn't help for us, too, that we have to watch two of these back-to-back. I think you've had space in between is a little better. But, yes, yeah, so then we get into the second episode of uh, His Maker's Name. Yes, yeah, so where they introduce the internet cafes, which exactly. I guess are going to be a, a in every, component to in, this. Like, and, like, she makes a comment, like, oh, they're in every single town, and they go to, like, three of them in this one episode. So now this time they're trying to track down... Uh, the first of the doctors slash professors. Yeah, and yeah. He was, we now learn he's an aerospace engineer. And it's just, like... I think part of the problem here is everyone in this show is really stupid. Yes. Like everyone, like they just, they don't follow their own logic, right? It's like even Bennett, they're trying to capture this infiltration robot. And they're like, don't make a scene at the same time as they're just like firing laser guns left and right and creating huge spectacles and driving around this incredibly conspicuous. Oh yeah. Hold on. Wes is first. Sorry. There's two other points I wanted to make in in the first episode. Uh, (laughs) Wes's introduction, West's introduction is him shooting his gun into a crowd. Yes. At a bus stop. Yes, at a bus stop. Uh, and then the second thing I wanted to talk about is uh, Rose, not really introduction, but when she leaves the gang, uh, the gang leader pulls a gun out on her, 
with an entire van of federal agents next to them yeah. who do nothing. Don't do anything. No. They're they're about to watch a girl get killed. They don't care. Where Zeta has to jump in like, it's Zeta. Yeah. Like, we now there's find a gun. Him. There's a gun. <laughs> no, it just it, again, it, they don't the characters aren't falling through their own logic. At least when like Zeta was calling Bennett, that's called out by Roe. But it's here, you know, it's like so <clears throat> an example being they go to the aerospace lab mm-hmm. uh when they're in there there's a security robot which can detect intruders so i guess if you're not wearing like an id badge it assumes you're an intruder or whatever but it starts just firing lasers it, like starts rampantly destroying stuff inside uh, this very very sensitive engineering lab with like really precious expensive equipment yep why would you have a robot that destroys everything that it's also trying oh, to okay. protect? So, uh, so about that robot, or sorry, uh, so that was one one of the worst uh, like commercial cl- cliffhangers. Oh yeah, because uh, it's like it's a uh, row being like, um, it's row saying, "What do you think he's doing?" Uh, he's like, "I think he's scanning for an ID badge." And she goes, "The ones we don't have," <gasps> and then it's, that's the commercial break. And that's the commercial break. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? <laughs> Uh, but then Ro has to convince uh, Zeta, like, hey, you have to destroy it. Yeah. I know it goes against your your now moral compass, mm-hmm. even, th- it's, even though it's a non-sentient object. <laughs> I don't know see why he can't destroy he it. He could destroy it. He had, yeah. he had guns in the first one, right? Yeah, so, because there's a big moment in the end of the Batman Beyond episode where he throws out all of his guns. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, and then... In the pilot of Zeta, he still pulls out a gun to, like, shoot a lock or something like that. So he still has weapons. But instead, he goes for the most brutal decapitation. Yeah. He, like, jumps on the robot and, like, wrestles it to the ground. Which, obviously, he is programmed to do. So he's done this to people. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of what makes it so ridiculous, too, is that this is a robot whose programming is stealth infiltration um, you know what's stealthy? A giant buzzsaw. <laughs> a giant buzzsaw. It's like it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't follow through on its own idea. Like, you know, I can totally understand if he was resistant to cause harm and he had to. And then when he did it, he did it with a, like this brutal efficiency. Because then you would see even Roe be like, oh, that's right. You're a murder bot. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what you're good at. Yes. And be both. Like recognize the nest, like the need for him to do that, but also it's scariness mm-hmm. for his ability to like and take also the need down. for for him to like for her to make sure he he always stays on this side of the line. Exactly. Yeah, and they just they don't really do it. It's like they don't even follow through on that. Um, but yeah, it's like there's also this whole weird subplot about them encountering a group of, of space hi- hippies. hippies. So basically, Sp- please be more accurate. They're space. They're hippies. space hippies. Basically, they this, want free space travel. At, at this point, space travel is feasible ish like it's it's not but it's not commonplace it's super expensive and they uh don't hog the stars is their chant that they just well, keep saying again like and again and again airline hippies in the 70s i don't think so okay. I, I, mean, that, I, that's the, I wasn't that's the, there i don't know well i know uh but i mean that's the closest comparison hey mom <laughs> yeah. if you're listening can you let us know if there were airline hippies were, were back there in the day? people yeah rallying to make airline travel more affordable so they yeah. could do it too because i know there was always that thing of you know everyone tells a story of like you know when i was a kid we'd sit on the we'd go to the airport uh right where the planes took off we'd sit on the roof of our car and watch them fly over us yeah everyone well, has that story i mean it, it was you know it, 
air travel wasn't really accessible to everyone until a certain point. I mean, yeah. probably, honestly, by the time we were kids, maybe a little bit beforehand. Mm-hmm. But that's part of what made, say, the James Bond movies of the 60s such a big deal, was they were like, basically like travel logs. Like, no one went to Jamaica. Right. No one went to these places. So it was this huge thing. That, that's how you saw this sort of stuff. So you found a way to sneak in both, like, Kim Possible yeah. And Teen Titans. I was going to force oh, James. and Jalen Showdown. And, and you brought up Jackie Chan. I brought up. I had to find some way to bring in my fandom in there. That's fine. So boom. We got the James Bond reference in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the space hippies are there. And it's it's all just a little silly. Like they, the hippies are driving around in like a future Volkswagen bus. I know. That's so funny. Because of course they are. And they go to their retreat, which is like an old cabin with this like modern geodesic dome behind it. And they walk in the room and there's a girl doing yoga with like her legs behind her head. And it's just, it's all really low hanging fruit yeah. sort of stuff. And again, it's aimed at kids. So you have to play off of things that kids are familiar with. But Yoga. Yeah. Hippies. <laughs> Yoga, space hippies. You know what I was really into when I was a kid? Hippie culture of the 70s. <laughs> I mean, hey, you did love Scooby-Doo. I did love so Scooby-Doo. So that statement actually is pretty true. You know, <laughs> you, you think you're about right. I, I apologize for that. They were on the nose with, with what the kids were into back in the day. <laughs> so it just, it's all just feels a little bit silly. And to your point, it's, a, it's kind of a boring episode, which... There's 20 seconds. The decapitation is the only action in this episode. Yeah, up until the very end when uh, Bennett is able to encase Zeta in this like electronic disruption net, which somehow causes just old bits of junk to explode. Mm-hmm. So whatever, that's what it does. Um, but the the engineer they're trying to track down has like a change of heart and decides Dr. to not... Dr. O'Royal. Exactly. I didn't even write it down. Uh, decides to not betray Zeta and like actually believes that he wants to do the right thing. And so he saves Zeta by pointing out that they're, well, cause Zeta saves his life. Yeah. And then the guy's like, Oh look, there's a hole in this perfectly shaped net for no reason. Let's just jump through it and you can get the hell out of here. Yeah. I would love if this just turned into like an even younger based audience where, it, where it's Dr. O'Royal being like Zeta, how do we get out of here? If only there was a hole somewhere, and then it pauses. And it's like, do you see the hole? Yeah. Do you see it right there? That's right. It's right in front of us. Hey, perfect. But no, it's like, Zeta, we gotta go. You know, it's Bennett is not good at capturing Zeta. The engineer, you know, they could have set him up to be like, oh, like, you know, I help design these things. Like, I'm, a, I, you know, or I understand. Like, I know how to de- deactivate this thing so you can escape. Mm-hmm. But also, we find out that this doctor really didn't have anything to do with the creation of Zeta. No, he like made the logo or something. Yeah, he, he just like photobombed the, <laughs> the hologram. <laughs> he just just happened to be there that day and wanted to feel like he was, yeah. you know, a part of the team. He, he just, was, he crashed yeah. the lunch. Yeah, he was the guy walking, he was like holding a document, walking across, not realizing a photo was being taken. Yeah, he's like, what? Well, yeah, looked up at the last second. Well, and for some reason, at the end of the episode, this doctor, this engineer is like, oh, I'm probably going to get arrested. And you, you pointed out, Zeta's not a wanted criminal. Right. Like, the NSA has a covert team tracking him down, but he's not a wanted criminal. So who's he going to get arrested for? Yeah. Arrested or, by? What he, what is he, Cause he, your argument is like, Oh, well he's, he's an accomplice. Like to what? So, yeah. Cause there, he is, didn't do anything. there is no real crime here, but also when he even says like, yeah, I'm probably going to get arrested for helping you, but I'm glad I did it. Cause it's the right thing to do. Zeta's like, yeah, you probably will. That sucks. Mm-hmm. It's like no, no sympathy <laughs> for this guy. Or like, it's not like he even did anything so bad that, you know, him, getting arrested but getting a moral lesson is you know an acceptable ending it's like he's just some random guy 
who was like accosted at his job. Yeah. And then now is getting arrested for it. Uh, yeah. Oh, we overlooked a very interesting point of this show. Did we? Uh, Zeta has an infinite credit card built into his hand. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, where is he getting that money from? I don't know. You would think it would be like be drawn from an NSA account. Mm -hmm. Because one would assume that you can't just generate fake currency. But Zeta can. In the future, it's it's a little bit bizarre. But it it comes from his saw blades. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least Zeta could have been like, "Hey, yeah, you're going to get in trouble now because you helped me." Here's infinite credits. (laughs) Yeah. Take you and your family, go somewhere else. Go, go uh, somewhere Yeah, safe. continue being a good scientist. Yeah, continue to do something right for the world. So, yeah. no, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, none of the show really does. And then the, with the little, t- the, it was a pen was the end of this one, right? It was the random object yeah. at the end. Oh, God. Yeah. Hey, Zeta, what's this supposed to be? Oh, well, back in the day, they used to, they said it was a pen. Uh, they used to say it was stronger than a sword. Like, but a sword's so much bigger. It's like, yep. oh yeah, you're right. Yep, that's true. And that's it. That's it. I know. That's that. Oh my gosh. Look, it's it's kind of dumb. It, so it, we like the show. I think I'd be less angry right now if that's not how. Like, if that wasn't the last thing. Yeah. Like, if that was in the middle, if they if that was their like, who's that Pokemon of the oh, show? Okay. Oh, where, good reference. Where, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, where like that anger can subside by the end of it. Yeah. But no, now I'm like, I'm just like, okay, that's a fine ending. We, we get to go hunt down the next doctor. And then it's like, hey, Cameron, do you just want to get angry for 20 seconds? <laughs> do you want to leave the worst taste in your mouth as you, as you talk about this show? Yeah, nothing makes you more upset than yeah. just a random little half-assed joke about a pen at the end of it. Is um, it the magic school bus? It's the magic school bus. Uh, so... You know, we, I do want to spend some time with the show talking about the worlds because, like, that is something that's relevant to the rest of DCU. Is like, what are the implications of this sort of like future tech and stuff? Because we had to spend a lot of time this episode this week just establishing the show and the the world and the characters. We'll save that for for next week because mm-hmm. um, we also do want to talk about Dark Phoenix. So, do you have any other thoughts on these specific episodes? Uh, I hope that we get an introduction of the Internet Cafes in Justice League. <laughs> Or static. Make, make a cameo appearance yeah. somewhere. Yeah, it's we need more of those. Yeah, like Gears, the one who makes the first internet cafe. He builds. <laughs> this is just Gears franchise. He starts it off. Uh, okay, well, in that case, why don't we uh, mosey along to notes from friends? Okay. Uh, first thing we have to do is we have to reveal who the winner was, or what the winner was for oh, our... Oh, that's right. Our... Robert Pattinson, Batman, Portmanteau contest. We already know the answer. What was the answer? The whatever D was. No. What? No way. Fans, you're wrong. You're a hunt. Look, I was hoping for Patty Batty 2x4 ain't Ben Affleck anymore, obviously. Yeah. So I came up with that in the shower and I was so pleased with myself. And it's very funny. But no, uh, Robert Pattinson slash R-Bats won. Fine. So. It's easier. It is. It is easier. I'm sure they would ge- be just as much with us saying, "Ratty Batty Two by Patty, Patty Ratty, ba- Patty Batty." <laughs> so, yeah. So from now on, Robert Pattinson will in fact be our bats. That's fine. Our bats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the challenge is I'm going to get so used to calling him Robert Pattinson that I'm going to accidentally say that when I'm supposed to be saying Robert Pattinson. That's fine. You know, whenever I meet him, that's never going to fucking happen. Yeah. So it's fine. Um, but then along with that, I had a question for you, actually. Mm-hmm. So I was having a, a lovely chat with our favorite, uh, Ashley Clark. We're talking about Aladdin and 
kind of her problems with it, which line up a lot with yours. Um, you know, and I made a comment about how one of my disappointments, and if you will, I guess this is like a slight spoiler for how they had changed Aladdin. But in the end of it, uh, the uh, genie ends up with uh, like the handmade character, the handmaiden character, and then obviously Aladdin and Jazz end up together. And I just, I didn't think it was, ne- I felt a little bit too much to have two hetero love stories at the end of it. I was like, come on, can we mix it up a little bit? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Ash is hey, still hope for a boo. <clears throat> Right, exactly. Maybe, maybe he's, you know, maybe a Boo and a Yago end up together. Yeah. I know Yago mm-hmm. end up in, in the lamp, never mind. Uh, but, you know, she was saying that she always kind of felt like the Robin Williams version of the genie was, like, kind of a little bit, like, sexually ambiguous in that regards. Like, you wouldn't necessarily peg him as being a straight character. He could have, like, a bit of sense of queerness to him, even for just his, his campiness. Yeah. And she made a reference to the reluctant dragon, as another Disney character that was that way. And I was curious if you actually knew what that movie was or anything about it. Uh, it came out in the 40s. <laughs> yes. 1947, I want to say. I feel like it was 1940. Uh, I know nothing about it. Okay. Well, great. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I wish I wish. 1941. I 41. Okay. Yes. Uh, here we go. Excited at the idea of producing a film about a children's book. <clears throat> oh, it, it, it's about a dragon that, that doesn't want to... Like fight, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So humorist uh, Robert Benchley visits the Walt Disney Studio to offer the idea. At the studio, Benchley evades an enthusiastic young tour guide and wandering about the lot goes into a drawing class. He then visits a soundstage where he watches a couple recording a song. Unaware, they provide voices for famous cartoon characters. Uh, Benchley later visits the camera stage and then the animation department where he discovers a surprise. So yeah, it's, I guess it's like him doing like a tour around. Uh, the Disney lot and there's an animated sequence where there's like a little boy who isn't afraid of dragons in a town where everyone is. And he goes and meets this reluctant dragon. Who's this kind of like <clears throat> fun, a camp character. Oh, so how to train your dragon. Yes. Kind of. Yes. Uh, no, that's the exact part of how to train your dragon. I realize that <laughs> I realize it is. Um, wait, why do I know the name Robert Benchley? Oh, wait a minute. I think, was he part of the Algonquin four? What? To use it even more. <laughs> Excuse me? Okay. Hang on. I'm gonna look I'm gonna look this up real quick. Al- How do you spell Algonquin? I don't know. G-O-N-Q. Okay, yeah, Algonquin four. So you you've heard me Are these like old James Bond writers? Okay, okay, here we go. The Algonquin Roundtable. No, so the Algonquin Four is a segment from the Thrilling Adventure Hour podcast, which I've mentioned okay. before. And so it's uh like these four people. So it's Rubber Benchley, Woodrow Wilson, Dorothy Parker, and I think Harry Houdini. And basically Amazing. they are given essentially like the f- powers of the Fantastic Four. Oh my God. And so like, but Woody, like Woodrow Wilson, they refer to him as like Woody Woodpecker Wilson. He kind of talks in that same sort of like weird staccato. Mm-hmm. And then uh, um, Dorothy Parker is like the version of the thing, but she just goes around basically saying, Dorothy Parker smash! It's really, really bizarre Dorothy and weird. Dorothy Parker was the, the journalist that mysteriously died? Uh, I'm not sure, but I was, okay. Uh, the Algonquin Four, yeah, Robert Benchley, Dorothy Parker, yeah, Harry, yeah, Harry Houdini, and, okay, wait, but the, okay, the Algonquin Roundtable was a group of, this is the most obscure thing we've ever talked about That's on this fine. podcast, I'm so proud of us right now. Now I have some to talk. Uh, he was a group of New York writers, critics, actors, and wits. Uh, they gathered initially as part of a practical joke, members of a vicious circle as they dubbed themselves. 
They met for lunch every day at the Algonquin Hotel from 1919 to 1929. And at these luncheons, they engaged in wisecracks, wordplay, and witticisms that through the newspaper columns of the Roundtable members were disseminated across the country. Uh, yeah, so I think Robert Benchley was like a famous uh, like author and humorist. I think maybe in sort of the vein of like a New Yorker now, possibly. Okay. Um, but that, actually that makes sense because that version of that character in the um, throwing Adventure Hour segments is always just like, sending off these like snarky repartees about like Andrew Lloyd Webber and other random pop culture things at the time. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. This is so ridiculous. Um, I'm, I'm proud of you for finding this. Wait, what's okay. Dorothy Parker. No, I'm, I'm thinking of someone else. Okay. Uh, yeah, she was, a uh, uh, she did write for the New Yorker, a founding member of the Algonquin round table, uh, screenwriter, Two Academy Award nominations, left-wing politics, all these things well, altogether. Well, maybe she was. There was. Um, it was. She was a main contestant. I don't think this is Dorothy Parker. It was a main. She was a main contestant on. I know that voice. Okay. Or whatever the show was called back in the day. Um, oh, okay. And and she was kind of a very radical journalist, if I remember correctly, writer journalist, um, uh, who just mysteriously. He, like disappeared or died one day. Okay, that's not her. Okay. Yeah, because she died of a heart attack in 1967 and uh, bequeathed her entire estate to Martin Luther King Jr. Hey, that's yeah, cool. Exactly. And then from there, it went on to the NAACP after his death. Nice. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There you go. Little little bit of information about. Is that is that our uh, our bad joke at the end of our episode? It's just like a random <laughs> history fact. Hey, now. have you heard about Robert Benchley? He, Not was, heard he, he was funny once. <laughs> he was always sitting on the bench. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so there we go. So didn't know anything about the Reluctant Dragon, but now we know a lot more about the Algonquin Roundtable. That's thing. good. I'm glad. Thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's move on to bat plugs. So what are your bat plugs outside of our discussion of Dark Phoenix here? <clears throat> Well, it's just going to be Dark Phoenix. Okay, so we, we can just talk about Dark Phoenix. Uh, yeah. I saw something else this week, didn't I? I don't know. We'll just talk about Dark Phoenix. Okay. Let's talk about Star Wars Land. Let's do that after I've also gone. Yeah, that's true. Yes, because that'll be very soon. So the only other bat plug I had was uh, once we finished with Batman Beyond and once we watched Return of the Joker, which I love so much, mm-hmm. I was already missing Batman Beyond. Hmm? What? You had a thing. Oh, sorry. I watched uh, Good Omens. Forgot oh, about that. okay. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't in the middle of my thing or anything. Continue. No, no, go go no, ahead. You, no, no, please. No, I'll, I'll no, 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 no. I, I want you to talk about Good Omens, but I'll I'll talk this about is Omens. so, so important. Good Omens, is, it's, it's a good show, a great start. It kind of fizzles out towards the end. It starts off <laughs> with, uh, for anyone who, who knows, um, Douglas Adams. Um, yeah. Uh, well, he, Hitchhiker's so, Guide. We, um, oh, wait, sorry. Continue. Uh, the writing of, of Hitchhiker's Guide and that very, like, like very witty, whimsical, like uh, like world-ending stories. Yeah. Well, so the book it's based on was written by uh, Neil, Neil Gaiman, Gaiman and mm-hmm. Terry Pratchett. Yes. Yeah. So what I was saying, uh, the first very few episodes, British. It's very British. The first few episodes feel a lot like a uh, like a like a Douglas Adams story. Okay. Did they put out the whole season in one go? Yeah. It's only six episodes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's a very good, nice, compact story. <clears throat> and I love the parts where it feels like Hitchhiker's Guide. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does kind of lose that that charm and wit as it goes by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two main leads are just wonderful. Michael Sheen and... Um, David Tennant. David Tennant. Yes. The doctor. 
The Doctor himself. Yeah, because <clears throat> I've read the book. And I liked the book, but I didn't love it. But I do want to check out the adaptation. Because it's basically, there's, like, Satan's baby is on Earth, right? Yeah, the Antichrist. The first episode is the Antichrist is born. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's uh, David Tennant plays the demon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his responsibility to raise him evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Michael Sheen plays an angel. And both of both of which have been on Earth since its creation, since Adam and Eve. Yeah. Um, and he, isn't the is one of them Castillo or where's the name coming from? I feel like there's a a pretty famous demon from like the Bible that's popped up in all uh, kinds. His, of, his name is Crowley. Crowley. That's <clears throat> what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. It's Castillo. Maybe that's supernatural. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. That that's the third guy in supernatural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah. So it's the two of them who are obviously supposed to hate each other because they're an angel and demon. Yeah. But since they've been immortal beings for, you know, 6,000 years, uh, they become secret friends. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're trying... And, and, you know, they know when the Antichrist comes of age, uh, it'll be the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And neither of them are ready because they, they're kind of like living like a cushy life. Yeah, they don't want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, they're both kind of going out of their way to not break the rules of their world, you know, mm-hmm. the angel doing evil and the demon doing good, but they're trying to figure out ways to stop the apocalypse in whatever way they can. It's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. So is it a, it's a multi-season show? Or is they, it a limited they series? It, uh, they, it seems like they set it up for another season. Okay. Very loosely. Okay. Like it, it could end and be, you know, like no one would really care. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it kept going, they left it open. Okay. Cause I, I they've been <clears> talking about the show for a while. Um, like when it, all the marketing was going on for it, for some reason I thought the first season already happened. Okay. I was obviously mistaken, but I'm glad mm-hmm. it's good. I wanted it to be good. Yeah. So. Worth checking out. I, I would say so. Okay. I think th- the worst part about it is, uh, they have the fire effects. Not great. Not great. Yeah. I mean, budget has to go somewhere. Yeah. It's mostly going to what I think is a fantastic looking wig on David Tennant. Oh, and his eyes. So he has demon eyes. Oh, that's so, yes. Yeah, that's has, right. Has, yeah. And uh, his fantastic collection of sunglasses then I'm sure. Yes. Okay, well... Mm-hmm. That's my plug. Sorry, I forgot okay. about that. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> How dare you? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what I was going to say is I started reading uh, the Batman Beyond comics because they're up on DC Universe. Because yes, like, everything's right. up there. Um, and so I read the like initial six-episode miniseries that like the first two are retelling the pilot. And then you know there's kind of subsequent adventures with, like Etrigan and Ink and stuff. And then there was another 24-issue run that just had other adventures along the way too. <clears throat> um, and most of it's written by Hillary J. Bader, who's like one of the best writers from all these shows. I mean, it's, it's like pretty solid, you know, I think the, the best issue in the whole thing is one that Maddie had actually referenced to us before, and it's called fearful symmetry. So that's Batman beyond number 13. And that's the one where we learned that Barbara Gordon still has, um, like basically panic attacks every few years as a result of the fear toxin from over the edge. Mm hmm. And it sticks with her, and so she goes into these like panic fits. Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so it's it's actually it's a really good story. I really wish they had adapted it for the show or done it on the show. A lot of the the comics are like okay, I can see why this is being done in a comic. Like there's one where Terry and his friends decide to go camping, and Howie leads them the wrong way, and they accidentally end up on the stalkers like private island oh. game reserve, where he has a whole bunch of animals that have been spliced with. Mon- like reptile DNA. So it's like a hippopotasaurus and stuff like that. And like, this is super dumb. I can see why this wasn't an episode, but that one issue is really, they, really good. They did it <clears throat> in Kim possible. That's true. It worked just fine. It will. Yeah. With DNA, Amy, that's right. 
But you know, the best one I've filled in there ever was. She's <laughs> pretty solid. It's a, but it's a good issue, and um, actually, there's some stuff in that that Maddie draws on because he just did a new Vanishing Point video. We, I referenced it last week, but now it's actually up, um, basically explaining what happened around the death of the Joker and like what the timelines are and what are the implications of it. It's really good. Um, his videos are always really funny too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, if you enjoyed our talk about Return of the Joker last week, or you want to check out those comics, go check it out on DC Universe. And yeah, go watch Maddie's video. So. Please, please go get a DC Universe subscription. So yes, keep it going. It. It's really great. Like, I, I've been really enjoying reading the comics. I will admit the app crashes a lot if you're reading on an iPad. Okay. Could be my iPad. I don't know. But beyond that, it's still really solid. So, okay. So let's talk about Dark Phoenix. Let's uh, do it. Yeah. Give ourselves, like, a few minutes here to talk about that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I only had, like, three or four big complaints. <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> first one in the very beginning. I'm just going to go straight into spoilers for a second. Yeah, we're going, yeah, full spoilers here. Uh for whatever you can spoil in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so weirdly enough, you made a point last week saying you wanted an X-Men. If, if they were going to do Dark Phoenix right, um, they have to already be established as heroes. Yeah. Uh, and I don't remember your other point. That, that was but a But they did that here. That was yeah. like one of my things. Like The first 20 minutes of this movie, I really enjoyed. Because mm-hmm. uh, it was the same intro as Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, but it's better than that. It is much better than that. Uh, so my big complaint number one. It revolves around Quicksilver, the fastest man on earth. Yeah. No, sorry. No, uh, not Quicksilver. Revolves around Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. the instant teleport, instant being the keyword, instant teleportation person. They have 30 seconds to get one person out of a, a uh, doomed spaceship. Yeah. It takes him 45 seconds. When he can see the person, he sees him when he first hops in. Yeah. What, the, what is he doing? Okay. It's let's, like, instant. Okay. Instant oh my te- God. teleportation. Okay. Let's, let's try not to get too granular I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I said I only have a few, few of these. And this is one that just really, really bugged me. Uh, okay. Because <clears throat> it shouldn't, like, it's, they're like, how long, how long have they been in there? They were in there for like five seconds. Like, it's been 20 seconds. What are they doing? <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, so sorry, that, that was, that was my first big, um, my second thing is, uh, <clears throat> towards the end, we're getting, we're getting one of our last fight sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> And I and uh, so it's when it's uh, Gene fighting uh, Jessica Chastain, yeah. who has doesn't have a name. I don't think she did. No. Jessica Chastain, who is now also kind of half Phoenix. Yeah. Um, so uh, Gene Gray picks up the two trains off the track and and you know gently puts them down <laughs> in a field while destroying everything. <laughs> and so what I really want in some superhero fight, some point in the future. Is I want them to act like actively try to minimize collateral damage. Like that that's a point of their fight is is their weekend because they have to stop collateral damage. And I think that'd be fucking hilarious. Didn't they kind of do that in Justice League? Like what didn't they attempt to kind of like make amends for the swath of destruction? No, I get it was in BVS, like they go off to like an abandoned island instead of find the middle of the city. And I thought it wasn't the whole thing in Justice League, like the Flash is just constantly getting people out of harm's way to avoid collateral damage. Yeah, but I mean like they're in, they're kind of in like a neighborhood. Yeah. And I I, I don't know who, I think Deadpool would probably the, be the best for this because he would give up halfway through. Yeah, and just keep going. Uh, where he's like, yeah, he's like, they said if I have to be an X-Men, uh, an X-Man, I can't, you know, I have to keep the damage under $200. <laughs> Uh, and so, like, whenever someone shoots a gun or something, he has to actually like take the bullet so it doesn't break any windows. That would be really funny. Mm-hmm. And that—that's you know, from that scene, 
because they have so much space in this field. And she drops the two trains right on like the um it's, like a, it's a power station basically yeah. <laughs> like yeah next to a couple like power lines yeah and nothing there's no consequence of that either no but i'm just like you have so much power yeah i know why why are you breaking these things because she was mad she's not so, at this point she's so mad no at this point she was fine she was normal yeah, she was normal she's, Jean gray she's kind of mad uh so that's my second thing is i i want a fight scene with no collateral damage i like that i would love to see that <clears throat> um Oh, third, it's the same ending as Dark Knight Returns. I think Alfred was the same restaurant. Or Dark Knight oh, Rises. Yeah. Uh, I think Alfred's definitely the same restaurant. Same cafe in Paris. <laughs> yeah. As is Charles uh, and Magneto. Uh, I would love to see him there. Just three old men. Yeah. <laughs> waiting for someone. Cheers, yeah. yeah. The collection of the best accents on the planet yes. at one table. Um, and then my last point is fucking Dazzler is in this movie. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I wish she got a bigger part. Yeah, and her like her powers are even done in a weird way because she's like singing and there's like stuff dance like there's like sparkles and stuff dancing around her, but it's not like she's actively turning the sound into energy, which is like her whole thing. Yeah, but I don't care. It's fucking dazzling. It's dazzling. And she had like the full on like seventies look, look yeah. and the eye makeup, even though it's nineteen ninety two for no reason whatsoever. If they were to make her a <clears throat> prominent character in an X Men film in the future or a Marvel film in the future, who would you want to play her as of now? Mm, Billy Lord. Oh, that's a much better answer than what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, just <clears throat> mostly from... I mean, she's great in everything, but mostly yeah. from Booksmart. Can I, can I plug it for a third week in a row? Can we plug Booksmart no, one yeah. more time? I was going I'd to, like actually. i plug Booksmart one more time, <laughs> please. To. It's that good. You it's really so go. good. You should really go see it. Um, all my friends are finally starting to cu- to come come over to this side. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm like, wow, okay, I apologize for not yeah. seeing it when you go said see it. it. Yeah. Uh, wait, who would your casting though be? Uh, I would... Uh, I think Haley Seinfeld. Okay. Uh... Or if they want a more snarky... I mean, she's already so perfect for Squirrel Girl, but I think uh, Anna Kendrick would be pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be a fun one, too. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to find actresses that also can sing. Yes, kind of a critical part of... And I don't know if Billy Lord can sing or not. I mean, she can do whatever she wants. She, that's true. She can do whatever she wants. I don't, it, care. She I don't care if do... she doesn't have a great voice. I'd still love to see her try. <laughs> Gigi! I think that'd be even funnier. Yeah, if she, she can't <laughs> sing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but okay, like... So th- those are my very, those very, very nitpicky points. Do, do you have things you liked about it? Cool. <laughs> um, they brought back the X-Wing is under the basketball court. Yes. Always love that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad you found one thing you liked about it. <laughs> Look, because, okay, I will say. Uh, they they shoehorn in Shadowcat at the very end. That's true. Always a big fan of Kitty Pryde. Always love seeing her played by yet another actress. Yes. Um, look, I... Like I said, I really enjoyed the first like 20 minutes of that movie because mm-hmm. um, it did what I wanted it to be. Like I've always, we still to this point had not yet had a fully formed X-Men team where they're heroes. They're going on missions. Yes. And so, and I, and I did like Charles's point of view because he, he gets in a fight with Raven at the beginning and she's like, all you care about is yourself. And yeah. He's like, yeah, because it's self-preservation. Like if we do one thing wrong, we lose everything. Yeah. Which comes into play a lot in the plot and so i i really like this stuff they're setting up initially like i like their costumes like the design of the ship i love that he gets on the phone with the president all right we're gonna go save nasa um i like raven being the leader of the team that doesn't really work based on the comics but whatever this is how they've gone down this path in the movie i thought that worked i liked she understood the assets of all their characters and like the user powers well i love they had that random like Cyclops channeling room <laughs> at the bottom of the action fire. Like yeah. it's silly, but also it's it, so funny. It kind of makes sense. It's like, she knows how to utilize everyone's power. It's like, okay, 
like Cyclops, you take out the engine so the thing will stop spinning, even though it would keep spinning in space. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Nightcrawler, teleport over there, Quicksilver, grab everybody, Storm, you know, use your powers to, like, seal the ship. Which, I'm not sure if that would work or not. I you know, don't but think it's like, would. But, you know, everyone is has their role, and it all works nicely. You know, and Charles' whole thing does make sense, where, you know, He's worked so hard. Like, he's worked harder than anyone to make mutants accepted. Mm-hmm. So for them to... And they finally are. They're yeah, an action figure. They're action figures. And, like, I really love that um, that moment when they, they come back off that mission and they're down on the ground and, like, the, the astronauts get out. And then, you know, the X-Men get out and they're all heroes. Like, the little girl has, like, a mystique action figure. And, yeah. like, that's kind of weird and silly. But at the same time, it just goes to show the level of cultural saturation and even as an acknowledgement from where Raven started back in first class to now, like a person who felt they had to hide themselves all the time is now, you know, an action figure. They're kids with blue face paint on because they want to be like the X-Men. Yeah. Um, so I liked all that sort of stuff. I, I did like even Jean when she gets, you know, first in contact with the Phoenix. I really wanted it to be like full on Phoenixy, which they teased in the like trailer, like the early like promos and trailers, they Which just completely also, undid uh, it. They also already had a Phoenix set up in Apocalypse. So I, I just that. rewatched that okay. scene okay. when we were like getting set up here. Cause I'm like, isn't that, that happened. So like, you know, it's, it's weird. You're Did ne- they forget? <laughs> well, it's like, look, I, you're never going to hear me say, I want another Brian Singer film. <laughs> Let's be done with Brian Singer. Um, but you know, he seemed to have a version of the Phoenix twice that he would tease that, already exists in some capacity inside of Gene. And both times it went on to different creatives and went a completely different path. And like this movie makes a lot of the same mistakes that the last stand did in that regards. Mm-hmm. I wanted full on like flame bird Phoenixy, which they only do like the very end in a really lazy way. But yeah. so with that being said, I like the beginning. Um, I like what they're setting up with Charles. I like that he's a dick. Yeah. Oh in yeah. This. Cause in the comics he is, he will do the wrong thing for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, in a lot of ways, Magneto is more of a hero in this and Xavier is more of a villain. And I actually kind of wish they had just done that and not included this whole weird non-scroll alien race thing that didn't really have anything to do. Yeah. That, with that any, felt with anything weird. else, like they felt like they had to add in a villain to make some conflict there. But like Charles really was the villain through a lot of this. I liked they went down that path. Mm-hmm. I like that he does have an ego too. Because that's also what I brought up last week is I wanted a reason for Gene to kind of lose control. Yeah. And it's, it's, we find out that she, that Charles didn't just put up the psychic barriers, but mess with her memory. Yeah. Lied to her about her father being dead. Yeah. Um, which didn't know really, so that, that does create that distrust. Yeah. So they, they set that up really well. So like, there was some stuff initially that I liked. I actually thought towards the end, some of the action sequences weren't great, but I thought they showcased the powers really well, which mm-hmm. I think is something that the other movies haven't really done. Like, really enough, this was kind of the closest we've gotten yet to a Brotherhood versus X-Men fight actually happening when they're in New York. It's like everyone kind of got paired off. They're just, like, throwing powers at each other. They're kind of, like, trying to help at the same time. Um, I, like, I thought Cyclops is really well utilized. Like, for the first time, Cyclops actually got to do some action. And they did, they did that one great shot where... Um he shoots off a mirror yeah as a to hit the the other telepath yeah exactly it's like they there's some good action stuff in there but the problem is the bulk of this movie is super super boring mm-hmm. like after that 20 minute sequence we spent some time establishing the genes all fucked up with the phoenix she kills raven which we knew was going to happen from the goddamn trailer yep and then nothing happens for a really really long time 
and so there's some fun stuff in the climax, but even then, it's inherently pretty anticlimactic. I did, I did like um, when she goes to um, Magneto's island. Oh, to, island. Uh, to Genosha, Genosha. Yeah, um, which they never say by name, which is weird. They never did, um, and they have the 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 power <clears throat> battle. Where oh, Jean Grey's yeah. trying to to ship the the helicopter away, and Magneto's trying to hold it, and he has that point where he's always been the strongest. No one yeah. has ever rivaled him, and now for the first time, you kind of see him click. Is like, oh fuck, I have to try. Yeah, like she's beating me. She's no much one's ever stronger. done that. Yeah, yeah. It's like there was some interesting ideas in here. Again, talk about potential. Like I think that cast is really good. Uh, you can tell Jennifer Lawrence did not want to be there anymore. Oh, not in I think a same, bit. same with Nicholas Holt too, who I love, and I think he was kind of checked out. I think everyone was a little bit checked out. I mean, they even have that point of where uh, uh, Raven even says, "Hey, we've been here since the beginning. Yeah, can we just <laughs> leave. Let's, let's just, can, we yeah. just, can we just leave at I this point?" That wasn't in the script. Yeah, <laughs> that it, was just them on set. Yeah. So I mean, it, there was some stuff in there that was pretty good, but I, I, its greatest sin was that it was just kind of boring. And mm-hmm. also, did you find it? kind of like really uncomfortable to watch at points like the car crash was surprisingly graphic yeah um that i hate that they're making this more and more realistic like i i remember the days in like the mid 2000s when everyone was in a car crash yeah uh but they'd never show the hit it'd always be it'd be the camera shot of the driver Mm -hmm. and Uh, then like cut away yeah no you would see the the light knocked oh yeah you'd see the light come and then it would just cut to silence yeah and that that was scary enough I, I much I, I enjoy that more. Yeah, it, it was it's just hard to watch. Like you know, they have to establish that Jean can like basically cast these telekinetic bubbles to protect herself. They could have done that without actually having like the bodies like literally getting ragdolled around the inside mm-hmm. of the car. Here here's how I would have done that. Um, you have you have the you have her move the car in front of the other car, mm-hmm. and you hear you hear her dad yell Jean, and then it cuts to white. Yeah. And then it's her waking up in the hospital and it's a doctor coming to try and uh, draw blood mm-hmm. or put put the IV needle in. Mm-hmm. And that's when you have the shield on her. Oh, like it's still up? Like she's still protecting herself? Yeah. Yeah, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. I, they just didn't have to have it be so kind of graphic. And it sounds like it's an old person complaint, but it's just it was hard to watch. No, it, it is very hard um, to watch. Another moment was when Gene forces Professor X to walk up the flight of stairs. Oh God, that yeah. <clears throat> it's just I hated it's just that. it was really it just again very uncomfortable. It's just like you watch it's like something about this just seems a little bit distasteful. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I don't know. It just it just was really uncomfortable. And then um really intense on the gun violence yeah at the end too it's like basically their only way to take out the the whatever those weird alien things were was just like to shoot them a whole bunch like they're tough enough to withstand kind of normal bullets but if you hit them with like a 50 cal take them out yeah. it's it like can we not be more sophisticated at this point than just having a bunch of just generic henchmen getting shot a whole bunch i don't know it just it mm-hmm. to me that just didn't really quite work I've, i have one more tiny not really nitpicked it's more of a question mm-hmm. so they all are on the power the power killer collars yeah. oh that was the other thing that was making me really uncomfortable was when like they would put the the inhibitor collars on and then like just drag them across the ground mm-hmm. i was like this it's it seemed too real and it was done in a little bit too flippant of a way yeah but anyways so, so my question with this is uh everyone gets the collar put on them yeah uh and you see raven get the collar no raven's already dead you see um a beast put the collar on and he turns back to Nichols Holt. Yeah. Um, but Nightcrawler stays blue. 
So does that mean that's how he was? That that's not part of his power. He's born. Yes. Okay. So because if you remember in first class, Beast tries to use Raven's abilities to minimize his own mutation on his feet, mm-hmm. and in doing so, he creates the blue thing. I, they've somehow addressed it later on, where now he can like turn it off and on on command. Yeah. Sure. Which is a little bit weird, but I guess technically that's him actively using his powers when he goes blue. Right. Whereas Nightcrawler is born blue. Because in yeah. the comics, Nightcrawler is the child of um, Azazel, who mm-hmm. was the teleporter. Yeah, the red, the red yeah, teleporter. Yeah, and Mystique, which is clearly not what they did in this case. Because right. it's clearly not his mom, and Azazel was dead. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I just want to clear that up. Yes. Yeah, that's him naturally. But I mean, I did like that he kind of went on a, like a, a bit of a rampage moment. Yeah, um, where he finally uses his knife and his tail. Yeah, I mean, the, reminiscent of the really great opening sequence of X2. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, like, I think they knew how to utilize some of their characters well. I just well. don't like that actor. Like, he's the only one that I Cody never really McPhee. liked. Yeah, he doesn't quite work. Mm-hmm. He's got a he's got a weird smile. He's got a weird... He's got a, he's got a weird creepy teeth thing, too. Yeah, but just, like, his whole his whole face. Nothing against him. Just just, you just don't like his face. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It... I would have liked more from this movie, obviously, just mm-hmm. being a huge X-Men fan than I am. Being well, the, would you rank it, rank it better than Last Stand? I think this film creates a far greater sin, which is being boring. Like, The Last Stand has a lot of problems, obviously. But it's fun. But it is fun. And, and here's what I'll give The Last Stand credit for. It has a climax that also feels like a capstone to the trilogy, mm-hmm. right? Like you actually have all of the X-Men like, okay, we're going to hold the line. They're all there teaming up together against like this onslaught of villains coming in. You know, it's, it's not a perfect fight, but at least it feels like a big battle. You get the sense like, okay, this, this is wrapping up a trilogy of stories. Whereas this, this was like the most anticlimactic fight. And again, it's, this is not the end of a trilogy that would have been kind of like apocalypse, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, when you're watching, this is the last, iteration of these x-men movies you want some sense of like finality and closure and scale to it yeah and it just wasn't there mm-hmm. agreed you know and they like wraps it all up where now it's the gene gray school for gifted youngsters which was from the comics now beast the headmaster and professor x and Magneto are, they called are the, retired the men now or are they called the uh gj, GJ. women <laughs> okay that's actually another comment I had was... Did you like that line? No, I hated it. I hated that line. So at one point when Raven is rightfully so basically calling Charles out on his ego and she's like, also, have you noticed that it's always the women saving the men? Maybe it should be called the ex-women, not the ex-men. And like what came to mind was something that, again, great conversation I had with Ashley Clark. My thought was, this sounds like a man writing for a woman. Oh, 100%. Like, because... Again, now this is a man saying what a woman would write, which is its own problem in itself. But I feel like a woman wouldn't write that line or say that. Like a woman would just be like, this is person's an idiot. I'm walking up this conversation. Like that is such a bro kind of jab. Yeah. Because like, that's so that, dumb. And it's also, it, if so you pandering. Flip, if you flip the situation, that's how the guy would have handled it. Yeah. It's like it should be called, you know, the the rip guys, not the rip girls. Yeah. We shred harder. It's just sounded really petty and cheesy and pandering and it just that did you get my reference no what was that rip girls is a decom from 2003 yeah like i was gonna get that reference for fuck's sake <laughs> like it just felt there was a couple of those times there too where it it again it felt like oh we should probably acknowledge our female heroes but not do it in an organic way like just make it like like a little blip mm-hmm. and it just felt like it wasn't inherent to the story yeah 
Yeah, I didn't like that line. Mm-hmm. I kind of hated it, actually. Yeah. I'd say this movie's a hard pass. You don't need to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even... I wouldn't even say it's like an airplane movie. No. Or if it is, like... I'd say, like, watch the first 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. If, you've, if you've been waiting to see the X-Men be heroes... Then you're probably... You're going to see it already. Just watch that, and then yeah. just turn it off at that point, because it really doesn't go anywhere good. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, but shall we land this bird? Let's call it. All right. So uh, if you have thoughts on Dark Phoenix, uh, or if you are actually trying to watch Zeta along with us, bless your hearts. God bless you. Uh, Do you yeah. want to take my place for the next 13 episodes? <laughs> If you want to replace Cameron on the podcast we while we do this, have guest episodes for the next while we do the show, or hey, maybe you actually really love Zeta. Maybe it's just like your total jam, and you're on board with it. Uh, Please but, tell us what you love about it. Yeah, let us know. I want to find a silver lining. Yeah, we're, we're going to try and be as positive as we can while we're going through this. Uh, but you can reach us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, I am at Lordifer, where I'll be posting some more photos from Pride. So go and check those out. Yes, uh, on Instagram. Uh, I'm at, if you want to see my art, which I'll do something mm-hmm. at some point, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. And if you want to see my face and Chris and I's soon adventure through yes, uh, the wonderful land of Batu. So as, uh, when this podcast drops, which for us is tomorrow, which for you guys, hopefully is today. Thanks for listening on the day of, uh, the day after that Wednesday, we will be at Star Wars land. Yes. Batu is the name of the planet. Batu. The Black Spire outpost. Yes. Uh, I will say rising suns to you all. Um, they have a whole language set up. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Have you learned it yeah. already? Hmm? Did you try to speak Navi to anyone while you were there? I did not. I've, I've learned my lesson <laughs> there. That no one else knows that godforsaken language. Um, but we will we will be at uh, at Batu mm-hmm. uh, at Galaxy's Edge, uh, and I will be. I'm sure both of us will be sharing yeah. many many more photos. Yeah, Cameron had a lot of great. Your Instagram story. It's been on point recently between Japan and between Batu. It's Thank been you. fantastic. Thank you. I'm trying. You living your best life. Yeah. So yeah, you, just if you want to see me at Batu, just check Cameron's Instagram because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be posting yeah, anything. I'll probably. post some stuff to Tim yeah. Talk. Yeah, we'll post it up there. The the Tim Talk boys hit Batu. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you for listening, everybody. Yes. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye now. Bye.